It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody, it's Dan. Welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. It's the Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Mary Kay answers questions from our Football Insider subscribers. Okay, look, training camp is here. Football insiders get a daily newsletter delivered to them every single day, written by a member of our Browns reporting team. They can be part of our text subscription, where we will text them throughout training camp practice, pre-practice, all that stuff. You'll get little nuggets that we're seeing, hearing, watching, all the good stuff from training camp to our text subscribers. And you get access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns. For training camp starting now is the time. Cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get information and get signed up. Okay, here we go. Our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We will be out at training camp on Wednesday. So, Mary Kay, let's get right to it. And let's just start with what you wrote on Sunday. A lot of trade stuff swirling. Obviously, trade rumors. People love talking about them. And and let's just start here. One of your headlines was about Kareem Hunt. And could some teams come calling for Kareem Hunt, specifically the Rams, now that they could be in the market for a running back? And as you put it, the Browns just don't have an interest in trading Kareem Hunt right now, which to me makes a lot of sense. Uh, but but when you kind of hear those rumors and, and see those rumors, what do you think? You're right, Dan. They have no interest in trading Kareem Hunt right now. And there are a number of reasons for that. The first of which is that uh, they have one of the best one-two punches in the entire NFL with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. We saw what happened last year when Nick Chubb went down for four games. Kareem Hunt steps in really doesn't miss that much of a beat. He played some better run defenses. So, you know, he didn't necessarily have 120 yards every game while Nick was out, but he really held down the fort very, very well. In addition to that, they have to play 17 games this year and they plan on playing three or four more playoff games. So it's a marathon and they also have to get all the way to week 13 before they get a bye. So they really have to pace themselves very well. Uh, They have to really use their rotation and their depth a lot. There's just so many other reasons why Kareem Hunt makes sense for them. I don't think that they have even scratched the surface with the things that Kareem Hunt can do in this offense. And I think you'll see a lot more of it this year. I think that, you know, you'll see more of him in the passing game. I do think that you might see a little bit more of Nick and Kareem on the field together at times. I don't know if they plan to do that. I would do it if I were them. Uh, And then there's another factor that I, that I threw in, Uh, when I was discussing this in print, and that was the fact that uh, he does have the revenge factor against the Kansas City Chiefs. And just something like that 
uh, can help to put you over the top when you have to possibly face them again in the playoffs, in the AFC championship game, potentially, just to have somebody that has that kind of heart and soul to go against their former team. That's meaningful. So lots of reasons to want to hang on to Kareem Hunt. I mean, what's the return ultimately on Kareem Hunt? You know, you're trying to win the Super Bowl this year. And so having as many guys as you can, I think just makes sense because you can afford it, right? You're never going to be able to afford a roster like this again. So keep all the guys you can. And let's say you traded him to the Rams. What are you getting? I mean, at best, probably a second round pick that's at the end of the second round. Even if you got a first round pick somehow, it would be at the end of the first round. Everybody thinks the Rams are going to be pretty good. So you're in the 20s at worst or at best, probably. You know, you're in the 50s at best if you're in the second round. So I just don't think the return on a trade like that is worth giving up one guy that could help you win a playoff game or a Super Bowl or or something like that. At some point, Kareem Hunt's going to help you win a game. And to give that up for a pick that would be at the end of some round, I, I just don't think it makes sense. You're exactly right about that. And then the corollary to that is the fact that he's got such a a team-friendly salary. I mean, you are getting, I think, Kareem Hunt at a really nice price. His cap number this year is $5 million. I really think that this is something that it just doesn't make any sense to do it, especially, once again, in a year where you feel like he's going to be a key piece for you getting to wherever you go, whether it's divisional, AFC Championship, all the way to the Super Bowl. He's going to help you get there. And I think that they saw some things in him down the stretch. They got to know him. Remember, this coaching staff had to get to know these players. And I think they saw a heart and soul in him, especially when you get into those bigger games. Uh, I think they saw some things that that made them think that they've got uh, an incredible football player on their hands that they just don't want to part with right now. Okay, another thing you wrote uh, over the weekend was about Stephon Gilmore and Xavier Howard and potential trade targets for those guys. And again, you hate to turn down good players, but sort of like you wrote, I I don't know how much sense those guys make coming here, considering, like you said, the Browns seem pretty happy with their outside corners right now. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Not only do they have, you know, two good starters, but they really have a rotation of three good starters, some combination of Denzel, Greg Newsome, and Greedy Williams. And Once again, when you're talking about salary structure, and that's vitally important right now, you've got Denzel Ward with a big payday coming up. He could end up getting whatever, $18 million a year, 17, whatever it is, it's going to be somewhere. It's going to be a big number. Then you've got Greg Newsom on his rookie contract. So that's very reasonable. And you've got Greedy on his rookie contract. So if you were to bring in one of those higher priced guys, Stefan Gilmore is unhappy with the about $8 million that he'll make this year. So if you did do something like that, it would come with a a contract redo. So you'd have to pay out a bunch of money to him. I mean, you're not going to get the 2019 NFL Defensive Player of the Year at a bargain basement price. That's just not going to happen. Same thing with Howard. He wants more than the $15.05 million average that he has now. So there's no way you're going to you would make either of those trades without kicking in more money for those guys. And then you find yourself in a situation where you're, you would be paying two guys in your defensive backfield in the whatever, 17, $18 million range. And that probably just isn't cost effective for you right now. 
when you are going to have to pay Nick Chubb, you're going to have to pay Baker Mayfield, uh, potentially pay Wyatt Teller, Rodney Harrison, Miles Garrett's big money is going to start to kick in here real soon. I just don't see that happening. And then in the interim, Chandler Jones now is talking about wanting to be traded. So that's kind of interesting. But he, uh, once again, I think they're really happy with their roster right now. We can never say never about any of these things, but I think they're pretty well set. Right. I mean, like you said, never say never, but at the same time, at some point you got to play the guys you have. I mean, you drafted Greg Newsom for a reason. You drafted Jeremiah Wusukormoa. You signed Jadavian Clowney. You, you brought all these guys in for a reason. At some point you got to look at your roster and say, okay, I, I think we're good. And, and you'll make adjustments as you go. All right, let's get to some questions from our football insider subscribers. And we'll start with Robert Seltzer from El Paso, Texas, who brings up another bit of news from the weekend. He says, Hey, Mary Kay, how much will Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa going on the COVID list hurt the team? The saving grace is that it occurred early in camp, but it is bound to affect his development. What do you think? Well, first of all, good for, for JOK that he was here throughout rookie camp. He was here through OTAs and he was here through the mandatory mini camp. So whereas last year they didn't have those things. I mean, think about that. Last year, if this happened like this, he would not have that solid base and foundation that he has. I watched him work so hard. You did too. We watched him work. He got a lot of one-on-one coaching. He got tons of one-on-one attention. He was here to put that install out on the grass. So he's ahead of the game, farther ahead than he would have been last year when they had none of those off-season practices. It's not ideal, but Uh, As Robert mentioned, it's happening early on in camp, so that's good. There's a ramp-up period in camp. A lot of what they're going to be doing, it's going to be almost a little bit of a a walk-through pace in some ways in the early part. Uh, So in this ramp-up period, you know, he can be – he said today that he doesn't have any symptoms. Uh, He tweeted that out on Monday. So as long as he's feeling physically fine, he can work out on his own somewhere, stay in physical shape, and then he can stay on top of everything mentally. So, and he's that kind of guy. He's got the work ethic to do whatever it takes uh, to be where he needs to be uh, when he can get back on the field, potentially sometime next week. Now, we don't know all the details. We don't know for sure that he's unvaccinated. We don't know for sure uh, that he's going to have to be out for 10 days, which is the minimum uh, for an unvaccinated player testing positive. But it seems like that's the case from every vibe that I'm getting. Uh, that's the category that he's in. Therefore, in a perfect world, he would be able to get back on the field like next Tuesday, next Wednesday. Going to miss a lot, but it could be worse. Okay, another question about a rookie. This comes from the 216 area code. It's about Anthony Schwartz, who, of course, didn't practice a whole lot over the spring due to his injury. And you mentioned over the weekend in, in one of your posts that he is appears to be ready to go. Uh, so from the 216 area code, Hey, Mary Kay, do you think Anthony Schwartz will compete as a punt and kickoff returner or more as a deep pass catching receiver or maybe both? Yeah, you know what? I mean, I think they will try to to introduce him to the return game a little bit, but I don't know if that's going to be the primary focus. I mean, with that kind of speed in a perfect world, you would love to utilize that in the return game. So I guess we could see him returning some punts. But for the most part, I think they're going to focus on his development as that speed receiver, as that go route guy uh, that you try to get him behind the defense and get him that ball in a hurry. So I think that's that's going to be what they're looking at with him. And as you guys mentioned, 
he missed some time. I mean, he missed time after rookie camp with the hamstring injury. So he hasn't been able to do much. And he now he does have some catching up to do. And what he's going to have to do is get on the jugs machine a lot. When he doesn't have somebody throwing the ball to him, he's really going to have to work on those hands. That's the challenge for Anthony Schwartz to bring the hands up in line with the speed. Yeah, what little we saw of him, that was one of the issues that, that we noticed early in rookie minicamp was he had some, some issues catching the football. And, and you worry a little bit too when a guy has a soft tissue injury like that. You just you don't want that to pop up again back in early in camp because we've seen how those can kind of affect a player early in his career. If, if he's not able to get on the field during camp or during the preseason, and this is a guy that's going to have to compete for playing time at that position. So that, that's something else to keep an eye on is, you know, you don't want another one of those soft tissue injuries to pop up with him. I was actually a little surprised about that because, you know, he's so fast and I had seen him working out so hard. He's working uh, in Florida a lot with, with Jarvis Landry. So he was in shape. I mean, he was working out really, really hard at House of Athlete with Jarvis. And uh, so I guess I would have to say that I was mildly surprised that he came up with this hamstring tweak. But once again, it seems to be behind him now. So hopefully he'll be able to hit the ground running and catch up with uh, what he missed. Okay, uh, some more injury questions here. The first one comes from Jim and Boardman. Thinking back to the Charles Bentley days, where, of course, he signed that big contract and then uh, unfortunately suffered that injury that essentially ended his, his career. Jim says, hey, Mary Kay, name the player we'd least like to hear about sustaining a serious injury on day one of camp. Obviously we don't want to see anyone get hurt, but who's the player and let's take the quarterback out of the equation for these discussions. Cause that's such an obvious one, but I mean, who's the player that like, if something happens on day one, that's going to keep them out for a significant amount of time, it would kind of put a damper on things. Uh, it's gotta be miles. If we're taking um, Baker out of the equation, it absolutely then uh, would have to be miles Garrett. He is the player that strikes fear in the opponent. I mean, he is the player you circle in red and you've got to defend him. Uh, he's the guy that Joe Burrow is going to worry about that Lamar is going to worry about. Uh, and that Ben Roethlisberger and Patrick Mahomes are all going to worry about, right? Deshaun, Aaron, whoever else, they're going to be thinking about miles Garrett, that freak of nature that can come and disrupt and get that ball out of your hand and get you on the ground at any given second. If you don't have him, I mean, you know, you can overcome it, but he is the number one player that you would not want to lose. Yeah, I can't really argue with that. Behind him, Denzel, for a long period of time. I mean, we've talked about Denzel. You kind of pencil him in for maybe missing three or four games anyway. But if you were to like not have him for a long stretch of time, that would be a problem. It's kind of just go back and listen to some of the drafts we've done and just go through those lists of players and, and you'll see some of the answers. So kind of along these lines, uh, from the 419 area code, again, acknowledging this person says, hey, Mary Kay, injuries are a part of the game. What are the top three positions where injury would hurt the Browns the most? Is, is there, I mean, we can even just say one position where it's like, okay, if some injuries started piling up here, they'd be in trouble. Are we going to leave the quarterback in, in this time or not? Should we, we take can. it out? We can. If we're going to list multiple positions, we'll, we'll leave quarterback in. All right. So obviously quarterback. I mean, let's let's be honest about it. Look, Case Keenum, stepped in in Minnesota when his quarterback's coach was Kevin Stefanski in 2017 and went 11 and three and took them to the NFC championship game. So they have that in their back pocket in the event that Baker 
gets injured, but you just don't want Baker Mayfield going down. That is absolutely uh, something that you don't want to happen. And the thing about Baker is he is incredibly durable. I mean, almost surprisingly so, right? Because he's not a big guy, but he is just built in such a way that he's very, very sturdy, right? Even when he gets hit, there are some hits that he takes and I'm surprised he just pops right up. Now, some of that is that he wants to show that, you know, you just can't get to him like that. Part of it is attitude, uh, but a lot of it is just physically, he is just structured well enough that he has been able to stay healthy. And that's been pretty, pretty incredible with some of, of the hits that he has actually taken. Then I would say defensive end because of miles. And then I'm going to go cornerback. So those would be the three positions that I, I would, I would say that you want to avoid injuries the most. Yeah. And Baker, I mean, look, that's one of the traits in a, with a quarterback that I think really matters is durability. You've got to be able to stay on the field. You got to be able to play through stuff. It's, it's just different than, than some of these other positions. You, you've just got to be out there. You, you can't, you can't miss large chunks of time if you're going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. What about offensive line? Because the offensive line is so good. If, you know, we got a question about Nick Harris and his size and if he could play center and the, if he could be like the next in line center or if size is a problem, you know, if you start losing the wrong guys on that line, I know they won a playoff game without Joel Batonio. I know they, they managed their way through without Wyatt Teller, but I don't know if you've got to start scrambling on that line for an extended period of time, you could run into some problems. If you have to throw James Hudson out there before he's ready or Drew Forbes, or I, you know, I don't know. I'd be a little nervous if you had to do that over the course of say like two months. Yeah, no, you're right. That that's a absolutely great point, Dan. You don't want to be losing, especially I would think uh, your left tackle or your right tackle. You don't want to lose Jed. You don't want to lose Jack. Those guys are really tough to replace. Now, Chris Hubbard, surprisingly is not going to be starting camp on pop. I thought he would be, I don't think any, from what I understand, nobody's starting camp on pop, which is pretty darn remarkable. So Chris should be working his way back in. And as you mentioned, they have James Hudson, but still you don't want to be losing Jack Conklin or Jedrick Wills, but there's something everyone has to remember about a training camp and a season you're going to have. I always say you're going to have like three calamities, three calamities are going to happen every year. I've been doing this long enough to realize that you're going to have at least three. And when they happen, you just say, okay, there's number one and you check it off the box. Then when number two happens, and then when number three happens, you hope you don't have any more than that, but you're going to have three. And when I'm, when I say that, I mean, pretty much season ending injuries. Okay. Now the Browns actually had a little bit more than that last year because they had greedy. They had grant. They had Odell. They had Jojo Natson too. We sometimes forget about him. But for the most part, you know, it was, it was those guys. And if that happens again, this season, they're going to have to deal with it and they're going to have to overcome it because pretty much every team is, are, is going to deal with some season ending injuries and you can't let it freak you out to the point where you think all is lost. Yeah, you're right. You, you've got you've to deal with it. I mean, the Chiefs held their line together for how long until it finally kind of just came apart in the Super Bowl. Right. Uh, you know, you, you just have to be able to, to deal with injuries. That's, there's no other sport where injuries play as big a factor as they do in the NFL. From the 814 area code, let's talk extensions. 
Hey, Mary Kay, your best guesstimate on when Nick Chubb, Wyatt Teller, Denzel Ward, and or Baker Mayfield are signed. Most are concerned with Chubb and Teller as their contracts end after this year. Do you believe they've had substantive talks with each of those four players? Well, they have had talks, okay? So you kind of set up the parameters of what you're thinking and when you want to get it done and how you're going to achieve this. So by now, Andrew Barry uh, and his crew, they've talked to each one of the representatives for all of those guys that you mentioned, and they're on the same page with what they're thinking and how they want to approach this. Like Baker's camp, they're not fretting about this right now. They know that that Baker had his fifth-year option and picked up that he's good to go and at some point between now and then uh, that an extension will be forthcoming so nobody's freaking out about it and here's here's a major reason why baker mayfield is not going to want to sign a, a contract that would be under market until josh allen and lamar jackson get under contract because he feels he's right up there with those guys there's no way he's going to sell himself short and take less so i think what he might want to do is to show in the first, whatever, six, seven games of the season, if it takes that long, that he's just as good as those guys who are going to get upwards of potentially $40 million a year. So I think he wants an opportunity to say, let's forget about 2019. That's not who I was. The quarterback that I am and will be going forward is the one that you saw in the second half of last season. And I deserve to be paid along those lines. Like judge me on that because that's when I had a coach. That's when I had a good system. And that's who I'm going to be of those guys. So there's Ward. Who did he bring up here? Let me pull it back up again. He brought up Ward, Chubb, Teller, and Baker. Which two do you think are most likely to get done before the season? It doesn't mean they will, but if you had to guess like two of them, they'll get done before the season. Who would you kind of put your money on? You know, I would put my money on if I had to pick two, I would pick Nick and Denzel because you kind of know, what you're going to get with, with Denzel. And I just don't think that that's going to change all that much. And, and the same thing, you know, with Nick, you would kind of like to get that done if you can, because again, he's heading into the final year of his contract. And those two are a little bit easier than Baker. Baker's contract is going to be the biggest one in the history of the Cleveland Browns. And it will dictate what you can do with the rest of your roster over the next, how many every year five years or so because of of that big, big cap number that you're going to have with him. That one is more complicated and you really, you want to take your time and you want to make sure that you're getting it right. The other one, the other two, I think are a little bit more standard. And then Wyatt, if you had to, you have to make the decision if you are going to be able to pay him what you think, what he thinks he can get on the open market in the off season. If he doesn't think, if, if you're not going to be able to pay him the double digit, whatever millions he believes that he deserves, then that's a situation where he might end up testing the market. So unless that number comes in really big for Wyatt, there's a chance that he could get to the offseason. I would, unless you're Wyatt Teller and you absolutely have to be here, I would wait. Mm-hmm. That's what I would advise Wyatt Teller. I'd wait and make the Browns either franchise you and get that whatever it's going to be, $16, $17 million to play one year or go get the kind of money that was getting handed out to guards this offseason. He's, he's one guy that I would maybe say, if you're comfortable betting on yourself and betting on your health, you might want to get to free agency and, and make a ton of money. 
Yeah, and it's similar to what the Titans had to do with Jack Conklin. Jack Conklin was obviously still a really good offensive lineman, but they knew in terms of just what they could do with salary cap money that that was a place that they had to just give it up. You can't have 20 guys on your team in double-digit millions. Like, you just can't do that. So with the way things are going with some of their other big-name players that they have to pay, if you had to wait on someone and, and let a guy walk and try to fill that hole with someone a little cheaper, that's a spot that you just might not be able to do exactly what you would do in a perfect world. Okay, this one comes from Brian in Hilliard, Ohio, and he's got a question about the defense. We've talked about the defense gelling, uh, and he mentions the offense last year. It took them really half the season to kind of get it figured out and make the adjustments they needed to make. So Brian asks, Hey, Mary Kay, with so many new starters, will it take the same amount of time for the defense or can they gel quicker than the offense? Could the Browns miss the playoffs because they lose a few games waiting on the defense to gel? Defense is different than offense. Offense has to be a well-oiled machine. Your timing has to be down. Your terminology has to be down. You have to be working in concert. Your five offensive linemen have to be working like the five fingers on a hand. You've got to be very precise, especially in this offense. Your receivers have to be exactly where they need to be. Defense is a completely different animal. You don't have to be like synchronized swimming on defense. Now, you do need to be working together well, and you do need to gel, but that can come together more quickly uh, than what you can do on offense. Baker had to figure out how to run the offense correctly, and they had to figure out how to call the offense for him in a way that was best suited to his skills. Defense, I just don't think that it has to be as quite as precise. And I think they will come together pretty quickly. You know, to some level, even on the offensive side, but especially on the defensive side, on some level, football is just kind of football, wherever you are. I mean, there's going to be things the Browns want to do differently. And we've talked about the three safety stuff and all the DBs, but at the same time, like John Johnson knows what he's doing. You know, Jadavian Clowney knows what he's doing. Miles Garrett knows what he's doing. So there'll be some communication stuff that they have to iron out here and there. But I don't think it's something that for the reasons you said, and then just, again, sometimes it just is go get the quarterback or go get the ball carrier or just cover your guy. I think they'll get it figured out pretty quickly. Yeah, I think so too. And as you noticed during minicamp, and I noticed during minicamp, this defense, they, they just kind of gelled quickly in terms of their energy and their synergy and their personalities. I mean, they seemed like they had been together for a long time. It was kind of weird to look out there and see, you know, Malik Jackson, you know, goofing around with Jadavian Clowney. And, you know, they just didn't seem like a bunch of guys that just met each other. And the truth is, that's what they are. I mean, this is just a lot of guys thrown together. There could be as many as nine new starters on defense. I mean, wrap your brain around that. There could be possibly nine new starters on the defense, depending on uh, what, you know, what you consider to be the, the starting linebackers and how that shakes out. But it doesn't look like just a, a collection of guys that you just threw together. And part of that is because they're so like-minded uh, in so many ways. I mean, I can see like John Johnson and Greg Newsom, there's, there's similar personalities. They're going to be fast friends. I mean, they're just going to be fast friends. Jadavian Clowney getting along with Miles Garrett. And that's not always easy right away. Miles usually makes you earn it, right, Dan? I mean, like he makes you earn it. But he and Jadavian, they just clicked, you know, 
right away during minicamp. And, and I think that bodes well for the defensive future. Okay, Tom in Middlebury, Connecticut, he mentioned something that's been going around, and that's this idea that there's always a lot of turnover when, when it comes to playoff teams. And we've seen stats where teams that have broken droughts, long playoff droughts like the Browns just did, have turned around and missed the playoffs. So Tom says, hey, Mary Kay, why will this team be different? Well, first of all, I think that it's a better football team than it was last year. Poor Joe Woods was holding that defense together, right? With glue and nails and some rubber bands and whatever else that he could think of. So when your best defensive player just isn't himself for the whole second half of the season, and then you have all the other injuries and all the other things that went on, and early on you lost Grant and Greedy. I mean, we think about when you think about it, uh, I think Joe Woods did a really nice job of just plugging guys in and somehow keeping it going. And it it could have been a lot worse. I think it's a better football team than it was last year by adding all the talent that they added on defense. I think the coaching staff is tremendous. I really do. I think that's why you will, why you saw last year, guys like Donovan Peoples Jones play well because they were really well coached. Uh, Same thing on defense. I mean, you've got really, really good hands-on teachers and it's just a, a smart way of, of coaching where they do a lot of walkthrough stuff. It's a lot of mental stuff. It's a lot of situational football. And they really have these guys understanding what their job is and, and what they're doing. I just don't see the drop off. I mean, the, all the talent is still there on offense. And now you added talent onto the defense and they still have the coaching to bring it all together. The one area that they have to be careful about is that. They will have some, I think they will play some tougher football games this year than they did last year. It seems now like Aaron Rodgers is going to be playing for the Green Bay Packers, right? So that's going to be a tough football game. We know that the opener in Kansas City is going to be a tough football game against Patrick Mahomes. They did not play the best of the best last year. They didn't play this like scary lineup of quarterbacks last year. When they faced Deshaun Watson, the weather was their friend in that game, right? Um, so they've got, be- even though the, the Texans are bad and we don't even know if Deshaun Watson's going to be there, they just have a pretty good lineup of, of teams this year. I mean, Joe Burrow, you know, if Joe Burrow comes back healthy, that's, that's a tough out. Justin Herbert, right? I mean, like they're playing some really good quarterbacks this year. So that defense is going to have to be on point. You know, I, I do think that the talent level of the opponent is going to be better and they're just going to have to rise to the occasion and meet that. Yeah, I, I still think the stretch where we're really going to get a good feel for this team is when they play the Vikings, the Chargers, the Cardinals, the Broncos, and the Steelers. That, that five-game stretch between the third and the 31st. I mean, they should, you know, whatever happens against the Chiefs, okay, they should beat the Texans and Bears without too much trouble. Uh, but then those five games there, I think we'll learn a lot about this football team and they kind of their approach to this season, especially if, Somehow or other, Deshaun Watson ends up in Denver and he's on the field. That kind of changes that game. So I I think that stretch, even though it's early in the season, it's not going to be like a defining stretch necessarily. But I do think we'll learn a lot about this football team kind of over that month-long stretch in October. Absolutely. And yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting. And that's another reason why the defense has no choice but to come together as quickly as possible. And they might have to keep it a little simple in the beginning because what they're going to be doing is trying to figure out, okay, 
who functions best in the nickel? Who fun functions best on goal line? What's our best goal line package? These are some of the things that they just don't know yet until they get them out onto the field and out onto the grass. Unfortunately for them, they've got some preseason games to figure some of these things out this year. But, you know, you got to figure out your nickel package, your dime package, your, you know, your goal line, your short yardage, your backed up. That's going to take a little while. But I think I think they'll get it pretty quickly. Yeah, let's wrap up on this one. This sort of has to do with, I, I guess, doing our jobs and watching practice. So Paul Kuchik, I believe it is from Wake Forest says, hey, Mary Kay, with some portions of practices being closed during the regular season and then practices being open during, of course, training camp, how much do we see? Are there things that happen in the regular season that kind of surprise us or do we see it all in training camp? So Paul kind of wants to know the difference there because obviously in the regular season, we only get to see about 20 to 30 minutes of practice and it's not really much more than stretching and individual work. Training camp, we get to see it all. So do we actually get to see it all? Or are there things that happen during the season that still surprise you? There are things that will happen during the season that will surprise you because they only let us again, watch like the first little bit of, of practice and it's mostly uh, stretching and then individual drills. And then when we leave, that's when they do the install. That's when they do the trick plays. That's when their game plan goes in. And, you know, and that's when they come up with new wrinkles each week. So we don't see a lot of that, but I'm actually surprised that we see as much as we do during training camp. I'm very surprised that they allow fans to watch all these practices and media to watch all these practices because I mean, really, you know, you're seeing a lot of stuff out there and you're picking up a lot of tendencies and other teams are trying to get little snippets of all the video that's being put out there. You know, I, I'm surprised that they don't keep it to, you know, like let fans come out for, you know, maybe eight practices. Now it's only 12 this year, so it's not that many more, although it's 13 if you include the stadium practice. But it's still kind of a lot when you consider that it's such a competitive sport and everybody's trying to figure out what you're doing. But lo and behold, everybody does it. Everybody opens up their doors and they let you watch camp and you pick up a lot. I mean, you see, uh, you know, what they're now, they're not going to, Again, they're going to save a lot, but you're going to see a lot of tendencies and who's playing where and who's starting and how it's all coming together. Yeah, I mean, if you're a smart team, there's no way you don't have at least some intern or you know some some low ranking coach just kind of going through Twitter and reading every article on Cleveland.com and wherever else to you know see what people you know oh the Browns are doing this or you know, this guy is, is getting some pub or whatever. I'm sure that, that somebody in all these buildings is looking through social media and news websites and everything, trying to glean as much information as they can, letting our eyes be their eyes, I guess. Absolutely. And then, but then you've got, you will always then have like that little play that Andy Reid pulled out of the Rose Bowl game from college like 1948 or something yeah from 1948 where they did the little spin move like the little dance move that they did <laughs> on the goal line you know so there there will be things like that and you can bet that the chiefs will do things like that that they will just completely keep under wraps and the browns will do that too and now this year uh the browns they're not trying to get to know each other they're not trying to get to learn the terminology they are building on last year. They don't have an avalanche of imp new information coming at them. They are 
picking up where they left off at the end of last year and building on it. And so it's just going to be, you'll be able to do more things this season. For us, we had a question. Somebody asked, how is Camp Stefanski different from other camps we've seen? And the answer right now is we don't know. We didn't get to see a normal Camp Stefanski last year. I mean, there was a lot more walkthrough stuff. It was slower paced, but that was also because they were ramping up. So this is sort of our first look at what a, a camp Kevin Stefanski is going to look like. Yeah, I mean, I, I think what I find uh, their camps to be different in that they're so very efficient. Like there, there's, there's not any disorganization. There's always something going on. Uh, there's a lot going on at once. It's very cerebral camp. There, you know, once again, there's a lot of walkthrough, a lot of situational, and it just moves very quickly. And it's, it's just super efficient. And, you know, they're ready. They're ready for it. And there's not a ton, a ton of mistakes. And if a guy makes a mistake, he usually corrects it pretty quickly. So it'll be interesting. I think in the early part of camp, you know, you're not, it's not going to, you're not going to hear the crunch of the pads. You're not going to see guys on the ground. I mean, it's going to take a little while to get to that point. Yeah, I think I think we're in for a, a slow few days here before that first off day on Sunday. Okay, yep. there we go. Our, our Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Now, just so everyone knows, you're going to see the schedule change just a little bit. We're going to line it up with training camp. We're going to bring you podcasts, basically walk-off podcasts. We're going to talk about what we saw at practice, uh, what we heard during availabilities beforehand. We're going to break down everything we see at training camp every day. So you're going to see this pod pop up in feeds basically aligning with when practices happen. So if you're not subscribed already, and I don't know why you're not, make sure you are subscribed to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. So you'll get those as soon as they go up and we'll be giving you the latest uh, from practice as our schedule just adjusts a little bit. And then of course, if you haven't signed up for for Football Insider yet, now is the time to become a subscriber. It's cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up for that. Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great.